wait, wait, don't oh. tell me because it's like the guy oh, tells yeah, me yeah. calm down. It's like, yeah. hey, everybody. Live from Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> Hi y'all, welcome back to Rachel Profiling. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited to be, oh, oh my gosh, Today is a super special episode because we're doing a live episode. What's the big deal about that? This is the first time where I've sat in a room with all my bestest friends and colleagues and peers and just been able to sit down and get into it, jibba-jabba a little bit. We're going to talk all things music ed today, hip-hop, academia, life, being in college, just everything in general. I have a very special guest with me today. It is an educator from Bonstable, Massachusetts, from the Cape, with... Which y'all know a recurring character, Mr. Levi Cooper. It is actually his high school music ed teacher. Mm -hmm. So I have Megan O'Connor Vince with me today. Let me give you a little breakdown, a little rundown. Right now, today, we are in our Friday music ed hip hop class taught by Mr. Jared Shaw. Rachel Profiling Lore, you know that Rachel Profiling started because it was a project assigned by Jarrett during Intro to Music Ed. So this is just a full circle moment, also because next week is our two-year anniversary of Rachel Profiling. So how special is that? Yes! So let's get into it. Megan is a K-12 public school music educator, graduated with her MA in Music Ed through Teachers College program at Columbia University. Upon graduating from Columbia, Megan's hip-hop unit was published through an online music classroom platform called Music First, as well as a myriad of other academic works and spaces, so she is a certified pro. So I'm going to let her give herself like a little intro, intro. just so we get to know you one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you first for all listening and I'll be in here today. This is super awesome. Um, so as Rachel said, my name is Megan O'Connor Vince. Uh, I went to University of Rhode Island for my undergrad, uh, majored in music ed, uh, got my first job opportunity at Barnstable High School on the Cape. Um, I grew up on the Cape, so that was, you know, kind of an easy setup for me. Um, and then, you know, you have to get your master's within five years of teaching. So my parents were like, the hell are you waiting for, right? <laughs> uh, so I decided to take a jump of faith. I did not think I was going to get into Columbia, but I got in and I went and I loved every second of it. And I met Jarrett and um, I also met Dr. Jim Frankel, who... Uh, kind of had the hookup for me in terms of he really liked what I was doing. He taught uh, music tech. And um, unfortunately, I wasn't there, you know, in New York year round. So I had to basically beg him to do an independent study with me. Uh, and luckily, he said yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so with that, he looked at my curriculum. He said, wow, I really like your hip hop unit. Do you want to publish? And I was like, hell yeah, I want to publish. Mm -hmm. um, so he's like, I have this company called Music First. It's an online music uh, learning management system. Uh, you know, same thing with like Schoology or Canvas or anything like that. And uh, now it's out 
for whoever has Music First subscription, which is pretty awesome. I think what I, when I saw him last week at MMEA, so there's about 2.5 million users on that platform now. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty, pretty awesome. Um, with that, I have worked with Soundtrap um, amongst, you know, GarageBand. I'm still a beginner in Ableton, but I still do some work with that with uh, my Music Tech 2 students. Um, at Barnesville High School, it's an 8 through 12 school. So uh, like I was saying to you a little bit briefly before, uh, eighth grade is semesterized class. Nine through 12 is music tech one. It's a full year. It's a mixed class. Uh, so usually we have to do a lot of like icebreakers because the kids usually don't know each other because they're in different grades and stuff. Um, and then music tech two, which again, I'm trying to expand the program as much that I, that I can, uh, is for 10 through 12th graders who have taken music tech one. Um, last year, even though last year was a terrible year for a lot of educators, uh, I had the best group of high school. <laughs> I had nine boys in my Music Tech 2 class, and they came from all walks of life, mm -hmm. and I was so grateful that I had the opportunity to have a class that I was like somewhat familiar with, mm -hmm. you know, and didn't have to you know, feel like I was talking to black screens all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've just continued to try and publish my work and doing stuff with the kids and just trying to share like what my perspective is and how I see education kind of moving forward in music ed world. Um, I like I, I think I mentioned maybe I, I, don't know, I don't know if I mentioned this yet on here. Uh, I also direct jazz band after school. Um, so I, I still have my foot in the ensemble world. That's really important to me because that is one of the main reasons why I wanted to become a music educator was my experience in ensembles. Um, but I, I love, I love teaching the kids that I have now because I feel like it's a second chance for them with music at because these are the kids that are not in, you know, band, orchestra, chorus. Uh, and I feel like, you know, why should they be left out because they didn't sign up for trumpet or whatever in fourth grade, right? Um, and as we know, I mean, you guys know, you're at Berkeley. <laughs> um, now more than ever, we have kids making music in their bedrooms. You know, you got Billie Eilish and Phineas. And um, so how can we uh, not only support those students, but, you know, bring that to the next level. How can we help them um, and engage with them in, in uh, their musicality, not just the typical ensemble world? So I, I think that was a yeah. long-winded intro. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, I loved all of it. You hit, like, everything that I wanted to cover. Oh, just a little snippet yeah. went into it. Something you brought up is uh, it's been a really big topic lately, I feel like, whenever I've been in a music ed space, and it's the fact of, like, the big three, mm -hmm. choir, orchestra, band, and how do we make music ed more accessible outside of, like, for students who don't feel like they can, they want to play an instrument, they mm -hmm. play another instrument, but it doesn't feed directly into, like, the traditional right. curriculum. So what was, like, your aha moment to bring in hip-hop more regularly into mm -hmm. curriculum or just have, like, a curriculum surrounding yeah. hip-hop music ed? Good question. So when I first got my job at Barnstable, you know, fresh out of undergrad, I had no music tech experience, none, zip, zilch. I didn't get that at URI. I love URI, I love the teachers at URI. They're working right now to change that, which I think is great. 
Um, but it was like, you know, okay, here's your job, <laughs> figure it out. Um, which I'm sure many of you are going to experience when you get into your uh, placements. I'm here to tell you, you will survive. You know, it, it's a little rocky at first, but you'll get through it. Um, and one of the things that I did with music tech was I started kind of pulling from high school, from undergrad, trying to think about, um, you know, what are some things or some skills that I want my students to leave with, right? And really, you're talking about the music consumer, right? So things like, you know, listening analytically, um, talking about genre history, uh, you know, how are things related? I always like to talk about music history as like a web, you know, like history in general, mm -hmm. right? But usually when people think about music history, I think it's the genre thing. They kind of like, they you put know, it in certain boxes. Yeah, yeah, they don't like connect the dots. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really important. But anyway, so I, I do this genre worksheet with my kids and we do a different genre every week. And um, I start with electronic to try and like hook them in a little. And then we go all the way back to indigenous and we kind of work our way forward. Um, and I show them a great video on, uh, you guys ever heard of a tribe called Red? Um, so kind of connecting even electronic and in indigenous music. Um, but of course the question that kids always ask, when are we going to do hip hop? Mm -hmm. Oh my God, when are we going to do hip hop? Can we do hip hop this week? I'm like, no, calm down. We'll get to it, you know? Um, so it just kind of started like, got me thinking like, okay, this is something that they're really passionate about, but it's not presented in curriculum that I've experienced or that, you know, the school has experienced at that point. So how do I kind of meet everyone's needs in the middle? So then I kind of started doing some, um, you know, again, basic listening things with uh, hip hop to the point where uh, now I have, um, I've taught a history of hip hop semester course, um, and looking at all different subgenres of hip hop. And we do like, I call them the foundational genres, like, you know, blues and jazz and gospel and all that prior. Um, but like leading into that, um, which again, I think is another great way for students to, uh, access music education is also through the power of like listening and mm -hmm. um, being able to kind of understand that history and see themselves in the music that they're making and listening to in the classroom. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I think yeah. I think that answers. Yo, you definitely did. I want to ask the class, did y'all have a lot of hip-hop curriculum in like your K through 12? They're shaking their heads. They're shaking their no. heads. No. 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 Was it Berkeley when you first got to do a lot more contemporary work? Yeah, and the thing is, all of us are from such like vastly different areas. Uh, Berkeley is a large like international school too, so I feel like what is funny about that is that like even though we're all from such different backgrounds and different places where you can have like drastically different education, it's like a universal experience that we're taught essentially this like westernized version of or just like I like to I like to call it kind of like I feel like a lot of times education can fall into like a white man's highlight reel. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that happens a lot lately with, or not lately, but I've noticed a lot more recently with music ed where I'm sitting and I'm studying like for the MTEL and it's all like mm -hmm. European based music. So when was, was the first time that y'all, um, this is a question for the class, um, thought you could, you realized you could focus on hip hop in your academic education. Was it at Berkeley? Yeah. 
Mm. The resource um, musicmap.info. Oh, yeah. It's such a great resource to looking at genres um, that gives you resources and little snippets and um, really help me understand how I can, like, how music history can be more than just like a music history class. Like you were mm-hmm. saying, mm-hmm. how you could embed um, the certain genres that lead up to hip hop or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So um, that's really special that you said that because mm-hmm. I think we do come from all, all over the place. But when you prepare maybe for the Berkeley audition, you also are jazz focused or whatever the focus is. And then until you take a couple classes, mm-hmm. you get to see that there's mm-hmm. There's more out there. For sure. Yeah. Can I ask, um, I know that I remember I had the pleasure of meeting you at MMEA. Mm -hmm. That's like our first interaction. Uh, You talked a lot about Beyonce. Can I ask who your favorite artists are? Like, who are you listening to and who are you bringing into the classroom? Um, (laughs) I I love Beyonce. The first time I watched Homecoming, I like legitimately like (laughs) had a reaction. Um, I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I kind of like a little bit of everything and it's actually really interesting because, um, my husband who also went to Berkeley, shout out Andrew Vince, <laughs> what, what? Um, he's, uh, he's also a teacher at, at Barnstable High now. He actually teaches history and now he's actually at Columbia doing masters for an admin program. So he's trying to, yeah, he's a guitar player. Yes. Thank you. Um, and he listens to a lot of punk music, right? And that's that to me is like not really my thing. I never really got it until I started like really listening with him and understanding like you know the the content overlap with hip hop with <laughs> uh, you know even with like reggae, right? In the beginning when we had um, uh, you know reggae and ska, and then you have yep. ska punk and. All that. Um, I I think for me, like if I'm bopping in the car, uh, I like a lot of alternative rock. So like I love like Radiohead. We saw um, Pine Grove. Does anyone know oh, Pine yeah. Grove? Yeah. yeah. So my husband and I went to that show a couple weeks ago. That was awesome. Um, so I listen to that, and then I listen to like Kendrick Lamar. J mm-hmm. Cole is like into it. One of my one of my faves. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband's a big fan of a track called Quest. He kind of likes like you know the older jazz kind of you know fusion hip hop stuff. Um, yeah, Beyonce. I am a huge Megan Thee Stallion fan. Oh, huge. can't do it, Houston audience. Um, yes. yes, yeah. It's she, she is. She is a force not to be messed with. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? Who else? I don't know. I, I have like a lot of like really weird mixes on my Spotify. You know, you have those yeah. like daily mixes. That's the fun in it. Yeah. And then you get your little like rundown at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my, I think mine was like Radiohead, Ariana Grande, Kendrick Lamar, Run the Jewels has been up there. Um, yeah. So I'm kind of like all over the place. Come on, range. Yes. <laughs> So how, I know you've already kind of covered this. I was yeah. on um, what we call a binking walk with Levi last night. Mm-hmm. Lately, Levi and I love to go on these walks at like 11 p.m. just around like the entirety of Boston. And we started talking about how excited like we are that you're going to be here today. We get to talk to you. So, so I asked him since I, I was like, oh, you had Ms. O'Connor as a teacher. Mm-hmm. What would you want to ask her? And he kind of, he didn't really answer the question. 
he kind of just he just kind of just talked about how amazing you are which is so so sweet sweet and so tender but he talked about how he realized looking back in like i think it was either music tech or music Mm -hmm. keyboard Mm -hmm. he was like oh i realized that she had been implementing that throughout the curriculum Mm -hmm. so is it something you kind of just like slowly uh just kind of make it like a regular part of your everyday class curriculum or do Mm -hmm. you make it more of like a focus like okay this is what we're going to focus on like hip-hop this week so uh, I actually, and this is after Levi, but this is something I adapted after the pandemic. I know the pandemic was obviously awful for a lot of different reasons, but there are certain things I think that we can learn, especially in the world of social emotional learning. Mm. Um, for So what I do is I, uh, I have a journal with my students. So every week, uh, Monday, they know first thing when they come in, they get a worksheet. They can listen to anything they want, any anything, and I don't care if it's explicit or not. I know I probably shouldn't be saying that, but they're just listening to that on their own. So like I, I don't I don't know, you know yeah. what I mean? They're not sharing it with anyone. They're just listening to they're it on their campus. own. They're mm-hmm. And um, they, you know, there's some like emojis, like how you feeling today, and then you know what's the song you picked, and then how's the song make you feel. You know, is there a change between the emojis? Are you sad and you're choosing to listen to a sad song for a cathartic moment? Are you sad and you're listening to something happier to try to make yourself cheer up? Like, those things I think are really important to kind of understand the role of music, right? And especially as like, you know, like I said, like a consumer. Um, and then, you know, I asked them some music questions, like, you know, what's the overall, like, vi- I literally write vibe on their paper and mm, quotes, it's a vibe. you know? Um, and so that way they can have like ownership, right. Of, uh, their music listening and they get to share something with me and it is time consuming, but I do go through and listen to every single kid's song. Not, maybe not in its entirety, but at least like a minute. Good car ride playlist. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I'll write something on there like, you know, oh, I, this is really cool find, or thanks for sharing, or, uh, you know, if it's something that I'm familiar with, I'll like write, you know, something that I, my experience, so they know, like they can connect with it. Um, so that's what I do usually on Mondays. And then on like Tuesday or Wednesday, when we are doing our genre of the week, uh, again, I have examples posted on Google Classroom, but uh, I also say if you're familiar with this genre, have at it. You can hop on YouTube, Spotify, whatever. You know, take 10 minutes. Here's this listening worksheet. Um, tell me what, tell me, you know, dynamics, tempo, beat, like that kind of thing. Uh, what instruments do you hear? Uh, what are some good descriptive words for uh, the song? Um, so then that way they, they have the ability to kind of have, again, ownership is like a big thing for me um, over like what they're doing in class, at least for the first like 10 minutes or so. And then I'm like, okay, that's awesome. I'm gonna take that, I'm gonna try and connect it somewhere in class, right? And then that way, again, they're seeing kind of the big web of you know different oh, cultures sense. and yeah. things kind of intersecting with mm-hmm. one another. So, yes, yeah. you have a question. You have a question from Jarrett. Hi, um, first time caller, long time <laughs> listener. <laughs> uh, I wanted to know could you re- uh, regale the story that you might have shared earlier about the radio announcement project thing that you're doing? Oh, yeah, just, yeah. It was a really yeah. great story. I just thought it would be great to share with yeah. you. Yeah. So, um, I have the pleasure of having 
a pretty supportive admin, which I know, you know, that's always like a battle, right? Whether or not you're going to have, uh, you know, a good support system or not. Um, I'm very lucky in that regard. Um, so anyway, so she said, my principal, because, you know, the pandemic and we're trying to get people to like cheer up and trying to get more joy into the school. Um, we are, I'm adamant about trying to include music as a part of that equation into our, our building. So I offered to, um, they used to do like Music Fridays where they play music in between bells, Aww, like nice. on the loudspeakers in school. Um, so we figured out a way, me and the tech department, to get like a Spotify account and I've made like a massive playlist and I set up a QR code, like a Google form, so the kids can scan and then they can request the song. And then, you know, when I have time or whatever, I'll go through and I'll put the songs on the playlist. Um, and obviously, you know, they gotta be the clean version mm -hmm. and whatnot. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's really awesome to see kids kind of like, oh, hey, that's that teacher that does music on, you know, that's that cool teacher that wears music shirts obsessively. <laughs> that's, you know, trying to get the other 80%, yes. you know, yeah. as we call it, into uh, buying into the music program. We also have piano and guitar at my oh, school, Oh, that's awesome. Too. So we do have a pretty big general music um, program, which I know, again, is pretty unique. Mm -hmm. I, I do think uh, Levi took piano with my colleague, uh, Marsha Wittrall. Mm. Shout out, Marsha. Uh, she is amazing. She's our vocal uh, director at the high school. Um, but yeah, I think that, is that? That answers yeah. it. I, could you, for the listeners, tell them what t-shirt you're wearing currently today? Yes, so I'm wearing a Nipsey Hussle. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Nipsey Hussle was, um, a pretty profound community uh, uh, enthusiast in terms of LA uh, hip hop. Um, unfortunately, passed. I think it was what a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, it was now, like two right? years ago. Years yeah. Um, but you know, I was listening to Victory Lap on the way up here, trying to get myself pumped up. <laughs> Rev that. Um, yeah. So I, I try. I have. Uh, this thing called Music T-Shirt Friday, uh, where I try and wear a different music shirt every Friday. And that's another opportunity that I can connect with kids. Like, you know, if we're talking about, you know, jazz or something, and then I can wear, uh, I have a Trixie Mattel shirt. Uh, for those of you who know what Trixie yes. Mattel is. Um, you know, so to kind of make sure that we're hitting, you know, because I, I have, again, if you're pulling from the other 80% of the student population, you have a lot of different kids in that class. Mm -hmm. um, so trying to be able to connect with all of them sometimes can be really challenging. So I'm just trying to like, you know, here are all these things that I'm into. Um, you know, see if you bite at any of them, you know, so to try you, and make a connection. How do you work with other the other music teachers, um, either in the recruitment process of those mm. students or in in the flow? Like, yeah. how do you engage with the, the big three, like Rachel said? Yeah, good question. Um, so I, again, I'm very lucky to work with, there's actually, I'm one of four music teachers at my school, Woo! Um, which is, you know. That's amazing. Again, That's awesome. yeah, really, really awesome. So uh, our band director, who's also my department head, he does like marching band and um, concert band stuff. 
And then uh, our orchestra director also does the guitar program. Uh, and then our vocal director, she has two choruses and then she teaches piano. And then I do music tech and like the music history stuff. Um, we have, I'm also the Tri-M advisor. You guys know what Tri-M is? Yeah. Isn't that the, uh, it's like a, kind of like an honor society yeah. for music? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the National Music Honor Society. And just out of curiosity, how many of you were in one when you were in high school? Okay. We got a three, four hands. Nice, yeah. nice. I, I find um, Barnesville, and I think there's maybe like one or two other chapters on the Cape, but it is a national thing, so I'm always like, oh, I wonder how many people are actually in Triumph. Um, we have an Instagram, so anything that, uh, Barnstable Music, if you want to follow, uh, Barn, B-A-R-N, Stable, S-T-A-B-L-E, Music. I had to think about that for a second. Spelling is not my strong suit. Um, I also have my own teacher Instagram. Yeah, what's uh, that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll put Mrs., it in the show notes, too. Yeah, Mrs. OCV. Uh, that's what the kids kind of call me for shorthand instead of saying O'Connor Vents. Um, yeah, OCV. MRS. Yep. Dot. Uh, just MRS OCV. One thing together. Um, but yeah, so we, we do a lot of um, working together with like promoting events. Um, I try and like do like flyers and, you know, post them on our Instagram and. Um, we do a lot of stuff where, uh, like, I had my first music tech showcase Ooh. last last year, which was really awesome. Um, and it kind of came from the idea of like the uh, virtual concert mm. that we had to had to do. Yeah. Um, thankfully, this year we're back in person. Um, but yeah, just kind of things like that. I'm pretty involved with. Uh, we have a All Cape uh, um, Music Educators Association group. I'm their secretary, so, you know, I get to take wonderful minutes at uh, mm. meetings. Um, but, you know, so I'm, I'm like, I, like you're asking, I'm still involved with, like, the ensemble people. Yeah. And sometimes they have, like, oh, I'm, you know, teaching this concept or this song and guitar. Like, you know, do you have any, like, music history resources mm. or, like, that kind of thing. Um, so that's that's something that... Like I said, it's cool that I get to kind of have that crossroads with with those peeps. Yeah, that's awesome because it sounds like you're really interacting with not only like the music program but the school like as a whole. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that you have like a really flexible admin. Mm -hmm. Whenever you're talking about like having these guitar and these piano lessons, I know there's like three of us who are from Texas, and Texas is so um, incredibly by the book. Mm -hmm. So I love hearing about especially recently being able to be at MMEA, how, I guess, flexible would be the word, or just yeah. how diverse the classrooms are yeah. in regards to opportunities musically. I was wondering if you have ever had, like, pushback from not doing as much of a traditional. I know mm -hmm. the standard is in, like, how they approach music ed is a, quite a bit different because we focus predominantly on, like, mm -hmm. UIL, which is, like, our standardized testing equivalent mm -hmm. for the program for that year. But what does, mm -hmm. like, a, a year kind of entail for you? Do you have like certain rules you have to abide by? And also, have you ever received any pushback, I guess, for um, focusing? Great question. I think it was maybe three years ago. Uh, I remember my department and I having like a pretty like in-depth conversation about, do we teach notation? Do mm. we continue to teach notation to wow. kids, to mm. kids that don't, like I teach, 
Uh, I'm doing right now, actually, a, a hip-hop instrumental project with my Music Tech One kids, and they don't know how to read. Um, but they uh, know we have like you know MIDI keyboards, and they can see the patterns and the relationships between the notes, and especially like on the DAW. Now, obviously, will it help to read music? Of course. And if the kid wants to, I'm more than happy to teach them. But most of the kids that I'm teaching, like it, you know, they're like, why do I need this when I can just you know do it by ear and I know the pattern relationships. Um, you know, and I, I know how to construct a chord, right? Why, why, do, I, why do I need that? Um, so I think that has probably been the biggest thing. Um, I know that our guitar teacher has kind of gone back and forth with like, he has beginning guitar, and then he has guitar one. Um, you know, do you teach him beginning guitar or are you just, you know, doing tab and trying to get the kids excited just about music? You know, and then if they come for guitar one, then you can dive into notation, like that kind of thing. Um, I, I think it's definitely, uh, it's moving, right? It's, it's not necessarily like, I'm only going to do this. Because like when I first started teaching music tech, I, I did. I had keyboards and we were playing Mary Had a Little Lamb and I was teaching them how to read music. And, and then it just got to a point where I was like, is this what they're here for? Like... You know, I, I, I don't think I could answer that, you know, uh, strongly. Yes. So I decided, you know, scrap it. Let's, you know, do something more authentic in the process of creating rather than focusing on, um, you know, what you might get in a typical ensemble mm -hmm. setting. Um, we've had kids who like take music tech and then I recommend them for piano because they are interested in that. And our piano teacher does a phenomenal job of teaching kids how to read. Um, because I tell them, I'm like, if you want to continue this, you know, this is going to be a great skill for you. Do you need it initially? No, you know, especially I'm what they call like a one and done, right? So they take my class one year and then see you later bye, right? So it's not necessarily I mean they have the opportunity to continue obviously but they don't always do so it's it's really important to kind of keep that in mind like what are the kids needs mm -hmm. and you know what are they looking for in this class because if I'm just up there okay kids here's counterpoint like oh uh, ain't no way ain't no know? way it's so and what would be the difference then between teaching more notation versus do you give them any music theory background for the sake of like tension and release? Yeah. Essentially, yeah, like yeah, yeah, what yeah. is music tension? Like one, so, four, five. Do they mm -hmm. do they know that? And can you yeah. approach it that way without notation? Right. So in this project, and again, this is you know we're a little halfway through the year, so they're just starting to kind of recognize this. In Soundtrap, one of the reasons why I love Soundtrap. If you, and I know some of you have had experience with Soundtrap, so you know what I'm talking about. If you pull a loop, it'll say the key of it on the loop, right? Mm -hmm. So I have a checklist for my kids, things like lining up the loops, making sure all your loops are in the right key, um, making sure there's no space at the beginning. You know, you want to make sure everything is um, condensed. Uh, are you mixed well, right? Can you hear a lot of your instruments, you know, kind of equally at the same time? Um, and I've had pretty good success with that. 
Uh, with the hip hop instrumental, I give them, I call it a cheat sheet. It's like a slide deck of um, just kind of like, here are all these different scales. Here's a way for you to check your work. I created a worksheet that gave them the formula and I try to equate it to like algebra. Like, oh, you guys know in math, you know, when you have to plug numbers in, right? Whole, whole, half, whole, 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 half, mm. right? Here's your, here's your formula, right? Start on a note, right? And then fill this in and they're like, okay. And then I have them rewrite it for the Roman numerals. And then when they flip the paper over, they got, okay, I have to start on the one, three, and the five, right? So you just skip over the next scale and then that's my chord. So, okay, I know this is a one chord, this is a two chord. So then, okay, we're gonna make like a, I call it like a word bank almost, like at the top of Soundtrap, they write out their scale and the piano roll, they write out the chords, and then they're just copying and pasting the chords like wherever they need to. Um, and they do have, a, what do you call it? Like a little PDF screenshot of like, okay, one chord, you can go to anything. Two chord, you can go to these chords. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, as long as you're following those patterns, you're, you're in pretty yeah, good shape. Cool. Yeah. It's almost like you're skipping all the logistical issues with music. You're just getting yeah. to the good stuff. Yeah. You're just getting right into the meat and potatoes. Yeah, yeah. Just can't they come back later and ask you? Yeah, yeah. yeah what they, they want instead of what you, the goal of the thing was to come yeah. to me and be, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Next. Yes. So I think earlier when you asked about if anyone had experience with like hip hop and mm -hmm. I think I may be the only person who did. I have been fortunate enough to work with like Dawes since I was in middle school. That's awesome. And I know you mentioned like uh, performance mm -hmm. and I know because I've been doing music tech since like sixth grade wow. until about 10th grade and not once did I ever get to play anything that I made for anyone. Oh man. Yeah. And I understand that can be kind of tricky because I'm, well, because I was already a musician, so I kind of knew what it was like to like get on stage. Mm. But I also, you know, there's kids who are like shy and, mm -hmm. and, and also like, what do you do at a live concert? You just hand kids the ox and you're like, oh, play this, play this, play this. <laughs> so yeah. like, when you, when you're, I guess like creating a live performance showcase of, of you know, kids who make beats or something, mm -hmm. Like, how would you go about doing that? Again? So that is a fantastic question because I'm still figuring that out, mm -hmm. and and I'll I'll tell you what I've done so far. So uh, one of the first things I did during our spring concert, um, I tried to have you know music featured you know this student like during set changes, mm -hmm. and I didn't like that because it kind of just felt like background music, mm -hmm. right? And I really want to make sure that my kids are getting like the full presenting applaud experience. Um, so I scrapped that. I was like, this ain't working. Uh, and then I have a really great project um, with an art teacher actually. We do, we call it the visual art music tech um, collaboration. Basically, I have a playlist of like 10 songs. Um, the art students pick one of those songs to respond to. And they you know can use whatever media they want medium they want um, and then those pictures are then given back to my music kids but they don't know it's already based off of a song <laughs> so they have no idea that there's like a playlist right oh. so then they have to create a song based off of that painting 
And then it's a cool, they get so mad at me at the end. They're like, why don't you just tell us this is based off of this song? I would have just created this song. I'm like, no, that's not the point. Um, so at the spring concert and at the senior art show, which are usually around the same time, we have like this uh, bulletin board thing and we have um, iPod like shuffles basically. And we Velcro them like next to the picture with like headphones so you can go up to the picture and like listen to the kids work like while they're looking at the art that's probably like the closest thing I've gotten to in terms of live performance um, the showcase that I had last year was recorded so it wasn't like a live thing um, but it was kids like, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm in Miss O'Connor Vince's Music Tech One class, this was my process for this song, hope you enjoy. And then we actually have a TV studio at my school that I work at, and they created like visuals to go along with it. Um, so then that was, you know, you play the song, and there's a visual, and then, you know, so it was about like 45 minutes to an hour long last year with all my kids' work, which was really great. Um, but again, that's like, you know, okay, I'm going to sit on YouTube and push play. So I'm, I'm evolving. I'm working on it somewhat of a live performance, but it is difficult because it's not, um, like you're saying, like, what do you do? Like pass the ox cord, you know, like, yeah. Yes. I was at an observation site recently. And one of the first things that this teacher told me was, oh, these kids have been on zoom and they really need to like be around each other and not be looking at screens. And then this teacher's first lesson was to have students working on Chrome Music Lab, mm -hmm. which is essentially, the, the program they were using was essentially a piano roll editor. Mm -hmm. um, and they were working at their desks with headphones on in silence on screens. And I thought, that's a little bit of a disconnect, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I guess my question to you is, since music tech can be quite solitary work. How do you make sure that students are always having opportunities to interact with each other? Great question. Um, so when my students present, I have like a generic uh, like grading rubric um, that they have to grade each other. And I always tell them it's not, you know, that's not the kid's grade. I grade the kids. It's for class participation, basically. Um, and when we present, it's always one thing you liked, one thing you thought they did well. I never criticize the kid. I say, I'm the only one that writes constructive criticism, like right on the rubric. I don't even, you know, because I'm trying to create a positive community, right? Um, so when the kids, uh, when we start the presentation process, I ask them to um, uh, pick a partner and they have to listen to each other's work and they have to grade with like the rubric and they have a conversation about what they liked and um, and then even a little bit more informally, sometimes I have kids, if they're like halfway through the project making process, um, I'll have them stand up and just rotate around the room, like listening to other kids' stuff. So they kind of get like, okay, this kid did this and this kid did this, and I can kind of see that. Um, Soundtrap is also fantastic at collaboration, right? So you can add, and that's actually how kids submit work to me is they just add me to their project. Um, but with that, my social justice project, which is probably my favorite, it's my eighth grade final, and it's usually about midterm for my 9-12 class. Um, they work with a partner or like a small group, 
and they're kind of doing what you guys are doing today. They're doing lyrics, they're doing a beat, they're doing uh, historical research to kind of give them street cred as to what they're, you know, spitting about, so to speak. Um, but I, I do find that I, I usually have some students who kind of rise to the occasion in terms of like, oh, you know, I took music tech in eighth grade and I can help this kid. And uh, especially with EL students, um, I don't know if you guys have had a lot of experience with EL students yet, but uh, you know, the Cape, usually people say, oh, the Cape, the Kennedys is so nice, you know, whatever. Uh, actually, Hyannis is like the working center of the Cape. Um, big Brazilian population, big Jamaican population. Um, so I actually have like my eighth grade class now, probably half my music tech class is EL students. And I, I love it because they can all kind of like help each other, um, especially with the language barrier. You know, obviously sometimes that's difficult. I always try and remind myself that just because it's loud and messy doesn't mean that they're not learning, right? Mm. So to have that kind of mindset, especially with um, the Brazilian students, because that's part of their culture. Uh, and I know some some teachers are like, oh, you know, they're so loud. You know, I'm like, you're doing them. Like, you know what I mean? Um, so they, they often collaborate a lot in class, and I... I I love it. I love to see it. Um, kids will help each other out with with certain stuff. It's all about just trying to support kids, giving them an opportunity to collaborate on projects too. I think is really important. Um, but yeah, it, it it can be a very like individual thing if you let it. Definitely. Yeah. Hi. So um, my question is: so you often work a lot, I'm assuming, with like a lot of um, like American hip-hop music and mm -hmm. um, basically all like West Coast, East Coast and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And my question is, um, do you incorporate like international hip-hop kind of music of any kind into your curriculum in any sense? I do not. Um, you are not the first person to ask me that. Uh, I find that even what I teach now um, is a lot in terms of like the music history aspect like I teach um, reggaeton when we do Latin and I teach like dance hall when we do reggae but other than that like I know French rap is like really really cool um, <laughs> I haven't been able to like really have a spot for that yet yet um, yeah, um, but doesn't mean that you know that can't happen you know, in the future. I did have a German exchange student once and she showed me some really cool heavy metal music. So that, you know. So cool. what about the students from Jamaica and right, uh, maybe they're first or second generation? Mm. How do they, what do they bring to the class that you, how, how do you engage with that? So a lot of dance hall. Um, and I, we go through like ska and reggae um, and then, you know, we touch upon dance hall. Uh, I do find that um, they are very much interested in bringing their own, like you're saying, experiences, mm -hmm. right? Because, like, when you say ska, kids are like, what the hell is that, right? Um, so they always are like, well, I know, you know? Um, so it's a nice way for them to kind of be, like, more of a leader in the classroom at that point. 
Um, but yeah, they they love to share their music and yeah. <laughs> I have a follow up real quick yeah, before sure. we get to Mina. <clears throat> Somebody asked earlier about pushback. Mm. That was me. Yes, and so a named person. Um, but the the reason I bring this up is because you just spoke about dance hall, which. Mm. I was telling a story earlier about mm-hmm. me being in high school in the 90s mm-hmm. and us getting pushback about playing this one particular dancehall song. And mm-hmm. dancehall music, if you know anything about it, can often be charged with things that are not cool to the majority of people. Like sometimes in older versions, you might talk about um, homophobia or might mm-hmm. be talking about some patriarchal thing about mm-hmm. women or like whatever. Mm-hmm. And so have you ever had pushback about that? Um, I about have, using dance hall because like yeah. even though we're all like oh yeah but I'm like yeah have you ever listened yeah right now? I haven't but in my <coughs> history of hip hop class I have um, these like cutouts of like different topics and hip hop along the top of my board and kids know excuse me um, that there are topics that aren't school appropriate in that music. My rule is like, if there's a swear in it, it doesn't come out of my mouth, so it shouldn't come out of your mouth, right? And if we're like analyzing lyrics, um, we usually use like Genius. You guys know Genius, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I love Genius because it, obviously you have to kind of look at it before you do it with the kids, right? Because there are some stuff on there that, you know. But the cool thing is it gives it historical context, right? So, when looking at something that may be like, you know, provocative or whatever, it's really important to say, okay, you know, this is kind of the generalization, like what they're saying, here's the context, you know. I I don't think that anything that students aren't seeing already on Instagram today and TikTok and Snapchat, um, I don't think that any of the music I play in my classroom is worse than that. Uh, I do have that conversation with teachers sometimes because it's like, well, you know, why are you like promoting? I'm not promoting it. I'm teaching them about it, right? Because I rather have the conversation with them in class than them just like, you know, learning about it elsewhere um, with no context. So I, that's my, I, I like I said, knock on wood, <laughs> I haven't had a lot of pushback. If my admin listens to this, maybe they'll come oh, check no. me out more. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so. Did we have another question? Mina. I was going to ask, so it seems like a very fast and wonderful music program down in Barnstable. Um, Nick and I are from, um, from you in Europe, so I know the oh, okay. Can you talk a little louder? Oh, talk louder? I thought you were telling me not to say something. Oh my god, no. I, I would, thought you guys were like, don't say No, something. I would, oh my gosh, speak like, your truth. <laughs> How about this? this? Start the question over here. Oh, so, Go ahead. Yeah. yeah, we're, so, I'll keep my question. You have a very vast and wonderful music program, it seems. I was wondering, because I also come from somewhere that, like, has a really nice music program, but I know that's because of the funding our mm-hmm. town has, and I'm wondering if that's the situation with your place, um, but if not, how do you build, even, even with that, how do you build this music program to be so, like, diverse and have so much stuff, and, like, what would you recommend for teachers who don't have the same type of needs. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I, one, just to be honest, I walked into a very nice situation. Um, I have Facts. a Mac lab, Facts. which is great, you know. Um, 23 desktop computers. Um, 
and yeah, I'm, I'm very fortunate. However, uh, for example, headphones, right? For whatever reason, whenever we buy a classroom set of headphones, we try and like cheapen out on them and then they don't last. And then anyway, um, my thing is like grant writing, right? And then, cause usually, especially on the Cape, there are a lot of like local organizations that'll donate to programs um, based off of like a request or grant writing. Uh, and then the other thing is like, there are a lot of great things out there for educators specifically, like especially if you're a public you know, school teacher, it's like, some organizations genuinely, you know, want to have that on their resume that they're donating to a public school. Um, for example, one of my best friends works at uh, the Lexington and Concord Tech School, uh, Minuteman. Uh, he does like the theater design program there, which is like wild. Um, but anyway, he actually told me to check out uh, Ableton has uh, like an application process that you can go through um, for like donations. So I literally just filled out a form and I was like, hey, I would love Ableton. And they sent me like a classroom software set for all my computers and 10 pushpads. Wow. And I was like, hell yeah. 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 Into it. Um, because they were, they were like refurbishing, like these are like the pushpad ones and they had just dropped the twos and you know, so they were like, oh yeah, these are the extras that no one wants. I was like, I'll take them, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, asking, writing, resources, you know, trying scholarship kind of grant stuff, um, those are definitely your biggest help. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you can go ahead. I wanted to ask about movement and how you incorporate oh, or question. don't um, <laughs> yeah. movement <laughs> slash dance, um, and if that's a part of, because I know it's part of the music and yes. part of the culture of the music that you study and hip hop. Mm -hmm. So how do you incorporate that in class? You know, TikTok kinds of dances, mm -hmm. that's something that's new too. So the students are always bringing that in too. Mm -hmm. um, how do you incorporate that in? I have not had a lot of opportunity to do that in class. I, we talked, yes. yes, yeah. We, like when we do indigenous, I have like videos, you know, like traditional dances and stuff that the kids watch. Um, same thing with hip hop, but I don't have them like because I work in a computer lab and there's not a lot of space. You know, I don't actually have the kids like get up and like do that. I have, however, I also have like a hip hop club that I run after school. Okay. And I try and get kids, you know, again, the other 80%, like, hey, you want to make beats after school, but you can't fit music tech in your schedule? You know, come on down to 2710. Um, and I've had students. Uh, express themselves with movement in that space. Just, and not, you know, not uh, prompted or anything. Yeah, okay. Like, just like, you know, they're making music, they're talking, they're hanging out, yeah. kids dancing, you know, oh yeah, that's fire, you know, I'm whatever. I'm always interested in bringing the cypher outside mm -hmm. of hip hop as well, mm -hmm. and that circular environment of creating movement and music and spoken word and rap and those things. <coughs> mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of times we've divorced music from 
movement and things like that. So yeah. I'm just curious. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I haven't done too too much of that. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing a lot yes. already. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. There's something I wanted to go back a little bit about. Uh, you mentioned your social justice project, mm. and I love how in depth you go in just like the history of how everything intersects when teaching like a topic that is so culturally dense uh, especially when like hip-hop can surround or talk about like a lot of like race relations or especially when things are even though it's been around it comes up more in like the national eye recently just mm -hmm. in general like as a teacher how do you approach navigating some more uncomfortable conversations especially if you might be in like a more predominantly like white area mm -hmm. and everything that alludes to that yeah, um, so for the social justice project, they have like a set like worksheet that they have to fill out and they have to give me like, you know, five historical facts, five stereotypes or myths on the topic because I say if they want, you know, the full kind of... Uh, Scope. Yeah, mm -hmm. they have to know what they're trying to disprove. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. And then I have, okay, two things that you're going to incorporate into your song. You know, you can pick one from your facts and one from stereotypes or whatever. And then two things that you were surprised to learn about your topic. And then the last question, which is probably the most important, how is your topic treated 50 years ago? How is it treated today? Ooh. So they get that like, oh, this is yeah. not getting a lot of attention what you know this these are the things the government has done for this or whatever you know and usually they find this on uh um a lot of like nonprofit websites that are doing a lot of social justice advocacy work um you know because like you know the internet the vast vast, yeah. vast place um so that's but honestly like i especially if there is an intersection with like music i am more than happy to have those conversations with kids like when childish gambino dropped this is america mm -hmm. my kids brought that to me yeah. and they had questions and they wanted to talk about it so i was like okay i'm gonna watch it so i watched it right yeah, that music video is dense right mm -hmm. so i watched it on my own i did not show it in class yeah. but i did have a conversation with them like okay you know if you guys have watched it you know what are some questions you have mm -hmm. you know what what are some symbolism um, in my music tech two class and in my history of hip hop class? I have this segment. It's so corny called hip hop honor with O'Connor. And it's, we love uh, corny. We love yeah. corny on Rachel profiling. <laughs> and um, the kids submit a song that they want to kind of take a deep dive into. Mm. So, and I try, try is the key word in that sentence. Uh, do like one a week. Usually yeah. it's like one every other week, and I usually do it on Friday because you know it's, it's fun. Friday, it's Friday, yeah. TGIS. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, like I said, I'm looking at Genius. I'm looking at interviews online. I'm looking at the music video. I'm looking at interpretations. Uh, if it's a sequel of something, what's the original? If they're sampling, what did they sample? How does that fit into that? Um, and then I kind of like give them a mini lesson on all of my findings. And sometimes it's really cool to see the kid, like I remember um, I had a kid that did Frank Ocean's Pyramids and, mm. and uh, you know, uh, Cleopatra and all the imagery there and all that. Um, and I, you know, okay, here are the lyrics, you know, this is the storyline, you know, all this stuff. And he's like, I had no idea. And he loves, loves Frank Ocean. You know what I mean? Oh, he's just so like me for real. Yes. <laughs> yes. So into it's, it. So it's, it's really 
awesome to see kids realize that they can, you know, kind of take a deeper dive yes. into things. I love yeah. how much autonomy you give your students mm-hmm. over like every project that they do and that it sounds like you really just give them the room to like take up space mm-hmm. and like even if it's just like a, a one project, it's like you have the full like advantage of like how do you make this yours? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I find that again I I think it's really important ownership so they feel like they've created something Mm -hmm. you know what I mean because when they leave my class oh and this is another just had a thought um I have my kids make a SoundCloud account so when they do leave and their music first subscription is up and Soundtrap subscription is up they have a portfolio of their stuff that they can then share past the aux cord uh with which is um to me is super important because like, okay, you just did all this work for a year and then it's gone, you know? Um, And then that way they can share it with their friends, their family on social media, they can comment, they can like each other. I have a teacher SoundCloud, Mrs. O'Connor Vince. um, And I have all my kids follow me so I can follow them. And the kids are like, this is how you got all your followers. I'm like, yep, exactly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, Anyway, so I think it's really important for them to feel like they've, you know, done something yes. with music instead of just saying, okay, kids, you know, I'm going to teach you, you know, G major scale and you'll never use it again in your life. Mm-hmm. And, um, but anyway, so I think hopefully that answers your question. Yes, it did. Uh, <laughs> I have a question that got sent in Ooh. that I want to share with one of our dear students, Monty. She wasn't able to be here today, but then she texted me and she was like, I have a question. Can I can I send you a voicemail? I was like, oh, this is so profesh. I feel like NPR today. <laughs> so we're going to play that real quick. Hi, Megan. My name is Montserrat. Um, I'm not sure if you've dealt with this before, but how would you deal with parents who don't agree with the hip-hop curriculum or the music technology curriculum? Because I know there are parents that are very adamant about having jazz and classical music only. So... Yeah, like, how would you deal with that? Thanks. That's a great question. Um, I actually haven't had too much, uh, like, parent, um, like, oh, you're not teaching me my kid this Mm -hmm. kind of interaction. Um, I have uh, talking points. You guys know what talking points is? It's kind of like Remind. Anyone know what Remind oh, is, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But there's a translation feature in it. So again, if you're thinking about you know teaching EL students, it's really cool because you know I can text in English and they get it in Portuguese, and then they can text in Portuguese and oh, I get love it in that. English. That's yeah. awesome. Um, so I try and like be very like present, so I'll try and send something you know once every couple weeks. Hey, we're doing this project. Hey, check this out on your kid's SoundCloud. Hey, you know, or if they did something really great in class. Um, so I think my parents are pretty aware of like the scope of stuff that we cover. I don't think that they necessarily think like this is only like hip hop dimensional. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and honestly, if I did have a parent say that I, you know, okay, what is it? 2019, right? Hip hop surpassed rock is the most popular genre. There you go. So if you want an applicable music education, hip hop. There you go. Right? Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Do we have any other questions on the floor? Ooh, questions on the floor. Let's go to Peter. Yeah. Um, I love how your co 
music educators are, they seem like, you know, everyone's, like, communicating and trying to help each other out. Mm -hmm. Do you see, like, the spirit of kind of trying new things or, or breaking, maybe breaking boundaries in the greater, like, music educational industrial complex? Ooh. Do you see that, like, making its way into, like, the big three a little bit? I... I do, um, because I think if the last two years have taught us anything as educators, right, is that we need to, like, totally revamp almost everything we do uh, to be relevant and to be uh, culturally aware of, like, what's going on. Um, I haven't myself experienced a lot of that in, like, band orchestra chorus world, but I will say that um, even like some of our elementary school teachers, they've shared out resources, you know, different books, you know, to read and that kind of thing. I know the choir director I work with, she really stepped out of her comfort zone because she's like, I don't know, she's, you know, classically trained. She's, you know, probably in her 50s. Um, but she was doing stuff on uh, even like, you know, Billie Holiday and Ella Fitzgerald last year. And then she worked all the way up to, um, oh, I forget the name of the artist that she was looking at. But anyway, she was doing things that she wasn't usually doing, um, which I thought was like really important. And I tried to encourage her to, you know, keep going with that. Um, I know like even like vocal warm up stuff, like, mm -hmm. she puts some, like, you know, fun, like, pop, like, vocal music warm-up stuff on YouTube and all that. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely been something that I think we're all aware of and we're all progressing towards. It's just, like, how fast, I guess, and how, uh, how quickly, I guess, we kind of transition into that, if that makes sense. We also have, um, in Barnstable, there's this uh, organization that I'm also a part of called the Barnstable Ally Group, and uh, we're actually lucky enough, we're not affiliated with the school, but we're kind of affiliated with the school, because a lot of us are educators in the Barnstable Public Schools, um, but we've also had the opportunity to do, um, uh, what do you call it, like uh, workshops at the beginning of the year. Uh, kind of walking teachers through, you know, teachers for the whole district of, you know, uh, culturally, you know, relevant things that, um, you know, how do we address racism in our classrooms and, you know, that kind of thing. So that's actually been, you know, a, bi a big part as well, which is really awesome. So, Tom. Yeah. So when I was in high school, um, our scheduling was basically set up to kind of ensure that kids could do a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. So like in my senior year, I was in our wind ensemble and in our chamber choir. Mm. Um, and I'm just kind of wondering about how your program <coughs> interacts with the big three, the choir and orchestra, because I think it's, what I saw in my high school is that they all intermingled with each other from time to time and they all were kind of considered to be on this level playing field. Mm. Um, do you think it's important that schools kind of try to do that, or? That is a great question, and that is a battle that I'm actually fighting, like, right now. <laughs> mm. um, I have volunteered to be on the graduate requirement committee at school, 
Um, and oh, you're a music teacher and you do all these crazy, you know, rehearsals and stuff after school. And guess what? You get to do even more if you're going to advocate <laughs> for your program, right? Um, there's a lot of hurdles that uh, schools face with like testing and, um, you know, Mass Corps in Massachusetts, you know, certain things that they have to take in order to graduate. So I actually struggle with that a lot at my school. If you take, you know, bands all five years that you're at the high school, you might not have room in your schedule if you have to take a foreign language, a math, a science, an English, you know. Now they have um, pathways. Have you guys heard anything about pathways yet, right? Uh, so pathways are kind of like public education's like response to like tech programs almost where um, they're trying to get students to kind of buy into learning a little bit more by having like at our school we have like an environmental science pathway so they actually have to double up in those classes right so stuff like that um, scheduling is huge 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 part of you know advocating for your program um, when I first got at Barnstable kids took six classes Has anyone take six classes in their high school yeah this is a block schedule. It's for middle school, it was seven. So it went from seven to four. Right, right. Um, so I, I had seven in high school, and we had a block schedule. And my senior year, I was able to take, like, four music classes, right? Um, but that is not the case now. I think there's a lot more things that the students are expected, you know, testing, mass core compliant, whatever. Um, I'm pushing trying begging for an eight drop two schedule so kids can have more room in their schedule yeah um but a lot of teachers that i work with say that you know seven classes is too much we have to go back to six and i literally look at them i'm like you you know you won't have an arts program if you do that like if it, you can't have your cake and eat it too like if these kids are going sure. if if you're going to school right and I had this kind of argument with one of our history teachers, you know, I'm like, I took 10 classes, right, at, in college. 10 class, not, not credits, classes, right? Oh, well, I only had to take four and, you know, this is a lot for our kids. Well, maybe they shouldn't be taking six AP classes. Yes, that part, you that know, yeah. maybe maybe Get they should. Oh my goodness. Maybe they should be taking an arts class to kind of work their brain differently, <laughs> be creative, you know. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's a great question and something that I feel like is never going to go away, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But working on it, working on it. Do yes. you have another question over here, oh, I, I, Granger? Yeah, I just had a question about. Um, um, so like you said that you like when you started teaching you like entered a very big like situation in terms of administrators and everything but like even still what was the process of like creating these classes and like pitching them and like how did you have to like go about like actually making it a reality that's a that's a good question um so like i said earlier i was kind of pulling from like all walks of life uh, you know, what's something I did in high school, if there's some, something that I could modify in, in college, um, joining some social media groups, especially on Facebook, hip hop music ed, shout out, um, you know, stuff like that, that teachers are usually pretty willing to share. Um, I know for me, I was like two weeks ahead of the kid, 
you know, yeah. ahead of the kids, uh, you know, my first few years, I really didn't get like my concrete curriculum until probably like year three. And then I like really just changed like the second half, like last year. So, and this is my ninth year teaching. So I think that's important though. Like it's not, you know, this is it and it's going to live forever. Right. We want to be able to change cause we want to be current. Um, but yeah, it, it's just like a lot of research and like a lot of like collaborating with other teachers. Like, oh, you teach music tech. Like, what are some of the things that you do? Um, basic like singing songwriting kind of concepts. And then, like I said, I kind of group the music history thing into that because personally, I think that's really important. Um, I know a couple years ago, I had a conversation with my department head that was kind of questioning me about that. Like he thought oh, that's music history. That should be in a music history class. And, you know, but he's more like audio tech kind of guy and I'm not. <laughs> so it, it's really like what you think your students need and what they are going to have like the best experience with, I think is really what it comes down to. I don't know if that answers your that, question. It, it does. And also just like, like how long was like the process? Like when were you like, all right, I have this idea that I want to make this happen, and then when did it happen? And also just like, if you could talk about like, like how you mentioned talking to your, the head of your department, mm -hmm. and like who else do you have, like who do you have to go through to like actually, like do you have to talk to like, like parent-teacher, like nope. association, <laughs> stuff like that? Or I'm free. <laughs> um, I just literally like, I have this idea for a class, like next year we're actually gonna do, um, mm -hmm. Uh, I think the official title is Hip Hop Influences and Trends Ooh. is the title of the course. I'm scrapping, we're doing the blues to Beyonce this year for music history. Mm. So I'm trying to like, okay, I'm going to refocus <coughs> on like hip hop specifically and incorporate a little bit more like music tech into like the music history world. Um, with that, I, again, I'm just like a week or so ahead of the kids. So usually like as far as like me writing like curriculum um i mean i don't know i i go down a lot of rabbit holes <laughs> um when i'm like researching something which is a blessing and a curse because you know my time is valuable and i need to be better at like time management stuff um, but I, I will dedicate a, a good amount of time working on that. I probably, like, we get out, we start at 7.05, we have to be in the building, 2.05, we can leave. I probably don't leave until, like, 4 or 5 o'clock every night. Um, you know, and then on the weekends, maybe I'll do, you know, an hour or two here or there. Um, but I remember especially, like, when I first started out, it was, you know, it was a lot. It was a lot of, like okay, I have this idea, mm -hmm. let's go on YouTube and see, you know, if there are any, like, examples or, you know, um, different people that, you know, you can reach out to. And, you know, it, it's, I would say it's really, like, a year-long process, um, but it's just kind of, like, continuous. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> we have two final questions okay. for you. Two. We have the classic Jarrett question for Hip Hop for Music Ed. And then we have the classic Rachel profiling question at the end of our every episode. So I'm going to let Jerry ask your final question. Are you ready? I am ready. The question is, <clears throat> top five dead or alive? Oh, boy. Um, and this could be MCs, 
This could be producers, but it can't be a mix. It has to be like pick a pick a lane. Okay. You know what I mean? You can't like specifically <laughs> hip hop. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes, okay. Um. Hmm. And it could be your list this week. It doesn't have to be your all time list. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. List this week. I like that. Um. I would say Kendrick Lamar, uh, J. Cole are definitely uh, top up there for me. Um, Rhapsody. Um, Missy Elliott. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really thinking. This last one has to be so important. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren Hill. Yeah. Oh. Get into it. Yeah. Get into yeah. it. I got a final piece of mine. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. And then my final question for you is, what is your dream? This can be in regards to oh, man. music ed, hip hop, life in general. Just when you think of what your dream is, what's your dream? What is my dream? Um, that is a deep question. Yep. <laughs> there are a lot of things floating through my head right now. Um, I think... My dream would be to just be able to reach as many students as I can with the message that they matter and their music matters and that I want them to have, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, a fruitful music uh, experience, career, whatever. And I wish that time wasn't so restrictive because mm. <laughs> that's where I think a lot of my things kind of die or time restraints. Yeah, right. Sure. Um, I wish time wasn't as uh, restrictive. Binding. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. well, thank you again for coming yes. on and coming to our class. Once again, uh, you can find her on social media. Do you want to plug yes. your Instagram? Yeah, sure. So my Instagram, again, is at Mrs. M-R-S-O-C-V. It's short for O'Connor Vince. I also have a website, uh, musicoconnor.com. Pretty easy. Um, and on there, you'll find you know links to my SoundCloud. I have some tutorials on there. Uh, my Instagram is also on there, so you can uh, hop on that as well. Um, if you want to hear me play saxophone, there's some recordings on there from undergrad. So, yeah, check it out. Yes. Mm-hmm. I want to thank my classmates again for tagging along and being okey-doke and just flexible and letting me chat with everyone. It was such a pleasure. Thank you to Jarrett for letting me host this in our Hip Hop for Music Ed class. And I'll catch y'all next week for another episode of Rachel Profiling. Tender. Okay, that's a wrap. Yes, yes. It's a slave. <laughs>